Welcome to High Pay, a podcast amplifying voices in the arts. If you want to be inspired or want to get into the arts, you've come to the right place. Tune in and turn on every Thursday. If you would like to provide sponsorship or advertise your business and you think it will be in alignment with High Pay, why not reach out through the contact page, hype-a.com. That's hype-a.com. We now have a new service where subscribers get access to subscriber-only content for future and past episodes for just $2.99 a month. This new service supports the podcast Hype A moving forward, and it allows us to continue providing high-quality content from leaders in the arts. For season six, the theme is discoveries. What have you been discovering, Hype A listeners? Has it been mental, emotional, physical, political. We will be talking about these discoveries and more with our guests this season and how it has impacted their creativity overall. Today for episode five, we have Alex Comer, graduated from Concordia University in 2014 with a BFA in photography. Alex Comer then pursued his studies at the Montreal Fine Arts Academy, where he received a merit scholarship in 2017. Recipient of grants from the City of Granby 2018, 2019, 2020, and of the Montreal Art Council, ARTCH 2019. The projects of Alex Comer have been presented in individual group exhibitions and art fairs, notably at the Visionary Art Collective New York 2021, Marie Uguay Cultural Centre 2021, Archive Contemporary 2020, Stuart Hall Gallery 2020, Ubisoft Gallery 2019, Affordable Art Fair Battersea London 2019, Affordable Art Fair Brussels 2019, Ave Gallery 2019, and many, many more. Most of Alex Comer's projects take the form of an immersive installation. Viewers are invited to circumambulate as a sort of practice in mindfulness, encouraging their own spiritual journey. His past projects have attempted to answer these, such as our inner world being a reflection of the outer cosmic world, flowers as being a symbol of anika, the Buddhist law of impermanence, most recently of man being composed of the four symbolic elements, earth, water, air, fire, in various proportions that oscillate through time. And let's welcome Alex Coma. How are you doing, Alex? I'm doing super. How are you? I'm really well. And I'm looking forward to this conversation. You seem like a really interesting person. And I feel like we have a lot of similarities with regard to esoterica and spiritual laws. And yeah. I know you're an artist, but you're also a spiritual mentor as well. Yeah, I do uh, quite a few. I think um, like my art and my spirituality, and I feel like it's maybe similar to you, are kind of intertwined. So my art has informed my spiritual path and my spiritual path has informed my art. Mm -hmm. So they have been interconnected ever since I started. So um, yeah, like... I heard you, you're also a healer and what type of energy work do you do? 
I do shamanic healing sessions. Uh, I read cartomancy and I do other forms of healing as well that aren't necessarily bookable so that you won't necessarily find them on my abstract medicine healing page on the mm -hmm. website. But uh, yeah, I, I do a lot of energy work and um, even with my art, it's about color therapy too. So uplifting people's spirit uh, the intention is always to be of service. And I know that you also have that too, in terms of being of service with your mentorship program as well. Yeah. So yeah, with, uh, well, Rosenbrau is a kind of something I, it's my newest project. I see it almost as a, like an artwork in a way. Like it, it feels like my artwork has been leading me to bigger and bigger concepts. So like, my art has always been kind of a mirror to deepen my understanding of some esoteric and very mystical concept that can only be understood like by um, i guess i guess a passive state of existence like an egoless one and so art has been a way for me to project myself in those symbols and uh, work with them over long periods of time and in some way program my psyche so to be able to integrate them and access their meaning so rose umbra for me is like even with the logo of the business is this kind of soul i see it almost as my soul rose umbra is my soul so i believe we all have our egos our lower egos and we have our higher egos for me rose umbra represents my higher ego so through which it's a more of a a collective uh, project you know it's something i want to do for for the greater good um, and the idea with this uh, this it's mentorship yes but more than that i want to create a movement so re-empower artists because so many artists are sensitive people therefore they they do channel naturally lots of information and unfortunately a lot of them because it's not necessarily seen as a it, there's no there's no mold for that any like you know for the spiritual creatives so they kind of either reject it or they don't acknowledge it and it becomes passive so i want to create this movement where i showcase on my podcast like some artists that actively do that that are good role models that uh, use the spiritual insights to heal the world so I want to put them forward and ripple down effect to inspire other artists to connect with their inner world and make art that transcends the ego. So, um, yeah, that, that is a bigger scope of it. And the way I do that is very intuitive. Like, uh, my business is not like set in stone. I like to go, uh, and, and follow my intuition and see where it guides me with the project. And for now it's mentorship, it's astrology, different things but it's also uh, going to be retreats that's already started so yeah and and how did you get into spirituality let's go back to basics in terms of your upbringing mm -hmm. your parents the environment that you're you were you were born into was that a nurturing ground for outside thinking mm, i wouldn't say so i think uh I was born in a Christian like household, 
but I always have found it a little bit dogmatic. So, like, I never uh, like agreed on anything I I was exposed to. I always resisted it, and I didn't question it. I just felt it was not resonating with my soul. And when you're young, like I was a bit rebellious, you know, doing my own thing. And as soon as I could escape this realm, I kind of escaped it. But my mind has, uh, I have a very uh, curious mind. So like I was rejecting for one part Christianity, but I was also like going deeper and deeper and asking bigger and bigger questions. And I would do that through watching documentaries. So I would spend like... I would watch like two, three documentaries per per year, uh, per per day, and I would just go the r randomest one just to fill my mind with different ideas, different perspectives. And this, at some point, brought me to this uh, the realm of quantum physics. I was like, okay, that's cool. What, where, where, where's the science now? And then quantum physics, I was so fascinated with it. Like, but at some point the the limit of quantum physics is that they're still trying to demonstrate like uh, effects and then i was like okay well what's the cause behind all those effects that that they describe they don't understand it they can describe it through math and stuff but they don't understand the implications of them and so that's where i transit and transitioned into the world of spirituality and so like philosophy spirituality these uh these gave answers and these are not recent answers. Like they go back so long. I spent like three years, four years, just like delving into books. Got my first book yeah, on spirituality was uh, one of my role model. It's his name is Manly P. Hall. He's a, a scholar, a occult scholar. I bought his encyclopedia of uh, the secret teachings of, of all ages read it through it took me two years i would like study every part of it understand all the mysteries and then bought tarot started to learn how to use that and slowly but surely uh, i felt i had all this knowledge that resonated so deeply but i didn't know what to do with it so i was craving for like anyone to have a conversation with but it seems like i had no one around me and then suddenly i it was like a Christmas. My friend invited me and her family for Christmas. And another friend, his boyfriend was there and he was, we talked and he's like, I talked to him about my art and like what I'm interested in these days. He told me, well, you should come with me next week, meet my spiritual guide. And so it kind of ended there. Six months later, I remember that. And I was like, I texted that person. I found him on Instagram. I'm like, hey, are, can, are you still seeing him? Can I come? And then we just came in and then I started seeing this spiritual guide for the past five, six years. And he exposed me to like the more practical mysteries from the East and the West so that I can have a applied, not just theory, but applied not, like knowledge so that I can practice it. And then I've been on this route since uh, I guess maybe 2017 of more active work like meditation and ritual work and different things. That's wonderful. And a lot of what you're saying re resonates with me. And I also read Manny Peoples Bible. And mm. um, yeah. I'm actually still currently in the process of continuing to research what he's, his teachings are there. Um, mm -hmm. Just like you taking notes 
and uh, leafing through each page thoroughly. Um, I'm sort mm. of about two thirds of the way through, but I've left the book in England because I need a bit of a pause currently researching yeah. others. But I, I came into his reading um, his book uh, later on in my spiritual journey. Do you feel like you've had an awakening of sorts? Well, yeah, you know, like the way I see it is more like awakenings because you kind of awaken to different parts of the the, the mysteries. Um, I've uh, well, I started to study astrology about uh, like a year ago, and for me, this has been an awakening because when I started to understand how it works, I, I'm studying the Vedic astrology, so the more ancient one. You begin to understand the the mind of God because I see like astrology, the circle is like almost the circumference of the mind of God, and the planets are are just like the some of the influence, some of the colors in which we can uh, explore uh, ourselves and uh, ourselves in the bigger way, like our earthly selves, so like all of humanity. And for me, like it was, it felt like I had studied this in past life, like it clicked so quickly and it was like, uh, it just opened my mind to like all this understanding because these teachings from astrology can then be applied to everything. And like now I'm studying Ayurveda, it's all interconnected, like the plants, your emotions, your, the taste buds, like uh, the colors, the chakras, like it's all a big system in the mind of God. So for me, that was a, that was an awakening and I got in this same awakening feels like um, everyone, we have certain tendencies that you can see through astrology and certain uh, strength and certain challenges. And so by studying my own chart, felt like I could get a better understanding of uh, uh, some interests I have and it also gave me some insights as to where I should focus, like what should I paint next, you know, which mysteries will I be able to pierce? Because some of them are so far from like my worldly persona. And some of them is like, oh, I just have to like tap there and I can pierce through. So like the mysteries that I'm now fascinated with in the, have you heard of the Kabbalah probably? Yes, yeah. I, I'm very, very well versed with with all of that jazz i just will say that a lot of the high pay listeners may not necessarily be well versed cabalistic yeah. texts and um deep esoteric knowledge and i want to acknowledge them as well and come in mm -hmm. with a gentle mind and a gentle heart to them too because maybe some of the listeners here on high pay may not necessarily be ready for okay. things that we're talking about, you know, and I respect and honor that in terms of one of the universal laws. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I, I see what you're saying and I, I understand exactly the path that you're, you're talking about and that you've experienced so far. And it just seems like, I have a lot of questions obviously, <laughs> but it just seems like there's, there's a deeper inquiry a deeper self-inquiry, a deeper outer inquiry, and how it's all interconnected with purpose, um, artistry, mm -hmm. uh, service, of course. 
and it, it's interesting how it started may, maybe with Christianity and then moving further into and away from the superficial aspect of that particular dogma into ancient Judaism involving Kabbalah and then mm -hmm. my question would be for you is twofold it's related to Kabbalah and one of your particular paintings the okay. other is also connected to your interest with Ayurveda obviously I have an understanding of it myself because I was I went to a school that was based on Ayurveda and okay. what what is the difference for you between Vedic teachings and Kabbalistic teachings and mm. how does that connect with your work as an artist in particular mm. well yeah like you know the Kabbalah is more it's been recycled a lot in the West through the the mystery schools, and the, then the East. Well, they have their even more old traditions. I do believe it all comes down from the same source, like probably Egypt. So, the like the law of correspondences, you know, like the the our bigger body is Earth. And I do see like almost like Earth as a brain with two hemispheres. One, one that's more rational, one that's more irrational. And and so like I, that's how I see these teachings. I see like in the West, the Kabbalah is more of a structured approach to spirituality. They want to understand the blueprint. And then the West, it's a more like applied, connected with nature. You get your insights from... Uh, meditating in, in nature and observing it mindfully while the other one is a, a bit more like a ordered and rigid in its kind of a... and so I see my art in the middle of this I see my my even my my own purpose um, within the scope of this age we're living in was a very transformative age where there's a lot of destruction that needs to occur for this new program to be installed on earth. So I see my role with my art, or I should not say my art, with my creation, whatever I create, whatever I say, whatever, like my own person to be a, a, an example of a, of a balanced person, of a balanced uh, bringing the teachings from both hemispheres because they both have value and they both have value, but more than that, they complete each other. Yes. So uh, having access to the, the technologies we do, we can have access to both teachings, understand them, and the, the world is like this. It's united now more than it's ever been, although it seems to be like the opposite, but the age of Aquarius is an age of union, and uh, we are transitioning into this era. We have been, and and so... I see my art and the work I'm doing as just uh, showing people the value of uniting both polarities within, but also without in our lives and being balanced in the heart. So for me, that's the, the, the key in many traditions as well is like to find your center, the heart. And I see this parallel with astrology. 
you have like the sun in the center and then you have all the planets rotating around but often some planets have more strengths in our chart which makes us unbalanced we are have tendencies to overreact and underreact to certain things and then through this understanding of the eastern and western teachings you can learn to observe these things to recalibrate them in the heart and the heart in this sense is the portal to higher um, intuition I, I agree with you. And I, I think that there's something interesting that you're touching on as well, which I'm picking up on, is in Western astrology, the main aspect of interest would be the sun is in your soul. And of course, your rising sign, your moon sign, Jupiter is also in an important placement too. But in terms of Vedic astrology, the important aspect there would be when people are asking you what's your star sign it's your moon sign and i find that interesting because you're talking about contrasts a lot you're talking about the sun and the moon the west and the east passive mm -hmm. active insinuations there inner and outer uh, these polarities these contrasts and it is interesting that it is also part of your work and also part of these teachings. And I just wonder with regard to the art business and the art world, where do mm -hmm. you fit in as an artist, do you think? Do you see yourself as some sort of Alex Gray character who's also a visionary artist and very interested in yoga and um, outside thinking, let's just call it like that. Or do you see that you can be part of the art world um, as part business and then part, as you mentioned, like this passive receptor who is a creator mm. as well? Yeah, that's a great question because it's one that I have had on my mind ever since I started in the art world. Um, like I studied art in, the, in the, the academic world, right? The university. And, um, but then I felt a bit lost coming out of it because then you're left on your own. So trying to figure out what is my place what is the role of art in society what is the role of my art specifically in society and then looking at my peers trying to figure out like okay maybe if i look outwards i can find the answers like but ends out like you go to new york you go to different markets you find like it's at the end of the day it's it's commercial right it's it's to sell the the galleries want to sell the artists want to sell and uh, yeah, uh, I because of the past few years, even with Rosenbrun, my my discourse is a very different. If you had asked me this a few years ago, but for me, art in 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 a, in a few ways have been a bit perverted. It has been uh, like art is the most uh, is the most primitive thing we can do, and its creation is the most expansive thing. It's the most spiritual thing we can do but this way of seeing art has is very far from the dialogue we have now in institutions and universities and um, this is not like an aspect that they will that they would teach at school like to uh, to go inward so that you can create something that's aligned and so therefore like the focus like you come out of school and the focus now is like okay how can i do this as a living how can i 
pay my rent with my art or like what do i have to sacrifice to to not to not have to do that but i see i see creation that i see what i perceive as that has to be kind of realigned is to see creation not as just the artworks you do but to see your life as an artwork so that every micro decision in your life aligns with something bigger and the the let's say the foam on top of uh, of all is that if you have uh, such alignment and such insight that the the artwork becomes the final product and it is kind of a a condensed version of who you are of uh, of the alignment you've achieved and and therefore this alignment will serve others because it will be so you will be so you like a cell in a body that does exactly what it has to do you are so you that that you create something that empowers everyone that sees it that's that is around this artwork that will under get to contemplate on it and so this is a bit a bit more uh, yeah it's a bit difficult to be like this is not the mainstream idea of art in the day we live so living from it is not like i cannot explain this to necessarily anyone to to upsell my art you know um, my art therefore becomes a, the, the i describe it as a, it's a reflection of my own inner discoveries through the my my spiritual world and uh, yeah like that's why I'm shifting a little bit. Like I still want to show my art and in my last few shows have been installations just because I feel like it has a bigger impact. I want people to be able to enter the artwork. And so the whole space becomes the artwork with different artworks, symbolic art, artworks inside of it. So yeah, I they, even though, sorry, I do see that. I definitely, I do, again, it's another thing I resonate with as well as an artist. I think installations, definitely provide an entry into your world in a, in a physical way that's maybe more impactful than having two-dimensional painting hung on the wall and i see you know on your website and the pictures that you've also provided um, for this episode there's this sort of tapestry like painting that you have um and embracing a corner as it were um mm. hung from the wall but the bottom part is loose there's also a seeming projection of fire we mentioned mm -hmm. you being inspired and interested in in the elements in particular um mm -hmm. this image i see fire and then in the center let's say of the visual aspect of this whole composition insulation on the ground you've got this rectangular box and a star that's placed on top of this box and it's silver and obviously it sparks a lot of ideas in the viewer's mind doesn't it it's it sparks interest mm -hmm. curiosity and further inquiry i i feel also with the interesting titles of your works like tabula rasa for example and blue hour archetypal imagery um anika which is a connection with i believe zen buddhism i think that you mentioned in your cv on your website um and then other aspects as well like titles called printing the soul there is only one mind dreaming of the universe it really seems like you're on a mission to further 
your understanding of spirituality and maybe open up a little peephole to other people into also mm. finding that inquiry themselves too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's about inspiring people. Um, because like if you're uh, used to only looking at the material side of things, you have kind of no clue what hides within those realms, those non-personal realms. And so using like in my last show, I used the, the colored light. So the whole space was flooded in this kind of UV tinted blue, bluish light. And it's like a very thin frequency of light. So it invites people to enter these very subtle realms that usually you can see when you're dreaming, you know? this kind of uh, moody uh, astral light. Mm -hmm. um, so I want to like, because these things resonate with people, it, you know, like it's not because you've not been consciously that you've never been because you're all connected to those realms anyways. So bringing those realms to earth, to the physical helps people be like, oh shit, I, I see this. I, I, I resonate with this. I want to know more. Because it resonates because you've been there and you recognize it on the soul level, not on the conscious level. So it sparks this interest. The same with like symbology, you know, the symbol of the pentagram is one that is very universally known as a, a symbol of the microcosmic man, like us as being a portal for uh, like manifestation, basically. Yeah. And so when you yeah. see that, you don't know why you understand. Like if you were to dream of that same symbol, you would understand what it means, like you know, unconsciously. But seeing it consciously, just uh, you, you resonate with it, you just don't know why. So yeah. I like to integrate these symbols and create narratives. And like my last show was more, uh, it was like a big, uh, an ancient ritual basically that I recreated with imagery. And uh, so people can actually experience the ritual and, and uh, experience because ritual work is, is basically opening up the mind to the physical and acting as if you have your eyes closed, but you act, you act it out in the, in the physical world. So I wanted to showcase this. I, for me, I see this as the, the future of psychology. So it's like rewiring the mind, but directly. Yeah, and I know that you also have uh, uh, an appreciation for Carl Jung as well again he's his interest in archetypes of course and and again these polarities that are in the back of my mind during this conversation in terms of masculine and feminine and you've mm -hmm. got this work of yours called uh cosmic bina is that is that the title of your work or was it bina cosmos yeah yeah and um and how um bina is let's say uh, chakra uh, in the Kabbalistic tree of life um, mm -hmm. and how that there are these again these polarities between um, masculine and feminine and black and white and how Ina is associated with the feminine energy and the color mm -hmm. not color black um, I thought it was quite interesting during my research for this interview with you how I looked at Bina, I had to get a, a refresher on on Kabbalah. Um, yeah. But uh, 
you know, it, it said that um, it's the un, unrestrained left side, feminine side, uh, which gives rise to evil. Um, and I thought that was quite indicative of Kabbalah and also maybe even, you know, neo-problematic aspects of ideas that can really cause, I would have to say, harm. Because why is it that the feminine aspect has to, on in its shadow aspect, bring rise to evil? I mean, my mind goes straight yeah. to you know, Adam and Eve and Eve being the cause of the issue here, you know. Mm. But I hadn't heard that association with Baina, that being it, giving rise to evil. For me, like, Baina is more, uh, is a divine feminine. So it's the archetype of Virgin Mary, if you go in the Christian traditions, of um, Isis, if you go in the Egyptian traditions. Uh, so it's not necessarily evil. I don't see it, actually, I don't see it as evil. And then when you overlap it with quantum physics, it would be the dark energy. So it's the, it's, it is energy. It's an invisible energy that exists within all of humanity, all of, all of the universe, basically. So it is the, it is the empty space or the matrix, the grid in which light can penetrate. It is, that's why it's receptive. And without this grid of empty space, we cannot create. So that's why she's feminine, because she's creative in nature. Kind of like and, uh, kind of like the womb as well, just an open yeah. space to create. And mm -hmm. I want to talk about your work, that, in particular with this title, Bina Cosmos. And mm -hmm. from the offset and just visually looking at your painting, it's oil on canvas, isn't it? Yeah. And it looks like, a chapel and mm -hmm. it's it's it seems like a i have to say that again more like um a figurative let's say shape of a uh um what's the word mm, visual semiotic connection let's say with my idea of what a chapel looks like <laughs> um yeah. and uh, it's got these it looks like a door and it's a jar, maybe some steps, and these two windows on that door, and just above it, a round circle. And it's very interesting. It actually looks a lot like my house in England, by the way. Um, <laughs> very maternal energy that I'm picking up from this painting, and you've got this beautiful white illuminescent circular shape right behind it, which looks like the moon, or at least I associate that with the moon, and that liminal light just across your painting as well. Tell us about this painting. Yeah, you touch upon a few symbols in there. Um, yeah, the, from the my first oil painting series I've ever done, I've used architecture as a symbol of the body because uh, as the body is the home for the soul, so, so like it's the same thing like our, our home is the house for the, is the home for the body basically. So, uh, Architecture is a symbol of almost of our outer shell. So if I use a more of a temple type architecture, symbolizes more of a, seeing the body more as a, a, I guess, a home for the soul. So it is to be interpreted in this way. And this is used, these symbols are used in psychology, even in 
psychometric tests for children. They ask them to draw their house to see their inner world. So it is something universal. And so the chapel that the this yeah it was a an exploration of bina. So I wanted to understand how bina works, and it was a very mystical experience, if I can say, trying to understand it. I I started by because bina being feminine is very reflective. So I started by drawing a grid in a in a mirror, projecting light on the mirror that would reflect back on the canvas. And then I painted the grid in the background of the painting. So you have this kind of warped grid, which represents the energy of Baina, this divine matrix. And then I overlapped on this, all these symbolism. So the moon, so just to be clear, Baina is in the Holy Trinity of uh, the Kabbalah, which means it is a non-physical uh, place. So to access it, you can only access it within. So I, I was trying to decipher how we connect with Baina in our day-to-day -day life. And it's very far up the path. So the quickest route is intuition. But how does this cosmic energy, this cosmic mother communicate through us, through our intuition? Well, I tried to map it out with the symbolism that you can see in the painting. So on the top of the church, the symbol of the the kind of horns with the, the ball, that's a symbol for the Egyptian goddess uh, Nut, which is the cow goddess, which is uh, connected with fertility, with nature. So it's almost like she can, she can uh, connect with these higher realms through the horns, almost like antennas, to intuition. And so then you see the moon, it's almost like it's behind the church, and the only... A uh, lit up part of the church is this circle, uh, circle little uh, window on top, which represents the third eye. And in this third eye, you have more symbolism. So it's almost like you receive these signals through your third eye. You uh, absorb them in your body, in your church, which then it gets uh, mat materialized through your, your glands, your physiology. And... Uh, so you transform this intuition into something that you can understand. And then there's an open door that's in the darkness, the bottom doors, which lets out some water. Water is a symbol of emotion. So through your emotions, then you communicate it to a river that starts from you, from your temple into the world. So, so it's like from higher up to your third eye, intuition, emotions, and then you resonate your energy and motion to the world for every artist i think it's important to integrate what you create <clears throat> and that's what i've also observed in the in the art world is that a lot of people they they create something especially when you start your career you you create artwork usually to heal yourself or to rebalance yourself so you're you're if you have some type of unbalance in your body, you'll create something that will give you symbols and, and a means to ex externalize it. And all of a sudden a collector comes and says, I like that. And then you just uh, recreate it over and over and over. But like if you've not healed from it or if you've healed, it just becomes a, a vicious cycle where you're not continuing to evolve uh, your, your person. And so when I started to observe this in myself and in others, 
I saw the value of kind of integrating it and taking a moment with the artwork and not just producing to produce, but that it becomes a, a, a mirror for yourself to, to move forward with you yourself, with your, your healing or your rebalancing. So this being said, my first few works, my first series were uh, like I went back in time because at first it was unconscious what I was doing. And once I found out, I was actually projecting on the canvas symbolism that would allow me to understand my psyche in a, a deeper way. I went back like years on my work and started to, to study those symbols I had unconsciously put in my, my art. Mm -hmm. Like everything is a symbol, even if you do abstract, your brush strokes, the colors you choose, the contrast between colors, you're all giving a narrative for yourself to be able to gain insight from. So now my artwork is a, is a bit different. I start very consciously to, uh, to meditate and to see what through tarot, through different uh, tools to invite an energy that will be potent for my transformation and for always for the greater good. That's always my intention before every artworks. Therefore, I'm, as I'm doing it, unconsciously, I'm channeling some uh, symbolism and some colors and everything so that it's uh, the perfect match for my psyche to heal or to grow. And that will help. Yeah. And then once it's, as I'm doing it, I'm integrating more. Sometimes I just start, stop thinking just to like go more intuitive. But I always reflect back and, and like one of my last paintings of my first series so dates back like to five years ago i still feel like i'm uh, experiencing the effects of it so uh, just to, to see to let you know like it's a it's a long process of integration and i think every artist should should do that every creator for that matter like whether you create a business or an artwork you should reflect why you're doing what you're doing yeah i agree i totally again resonate with what you're saying and it's a similar intention with my work as well I'm I'm very um aware that people are going to be seeing my art and the intention is to make sure that I'm in balance and even if I'm not you know that it comes from a let's say a good place and mm -hmm. it's interesting you mentioned psyche a lot and I was thinking about the goddess psyche um mm is um the daughter of um a king and the mistress of eros uh, otherwise known as cupid and i think that's really interesting how you know there's a connection with kind of a little bit of the seduction of the feminine energy again as well we're talking about um masculine and feminine and i was also thinking about your uh, Bina, I pronounce it Bina. I, I don't know if that's the right pronunciation, but there's also something interesting in terms of resonance. I mean, you speak French as well, don't you? So you, you understand the power of words and vibration just generally. I can I can see that. Um, but your association with uh, this feminine energy and the moon, and I immediately went straight to my head. I thought of the high priestess in the tarot. Mm. And again, she's the symbol of of that void, that darkness, but also the balance of opposite black and white. And she's also holding the Torah where we have this connection again with Kabbalah, Kabbalistic texts. 
it's uh it is fascinating how it's all really interconnected isn't it how what we think we know about the world um can only take us so far unless we have an open mind and open heart into further inquiry and then we realize that everything is actually connected i i wonder again how how that's playing out in this world today where we're obviously seeing so many opposites and uh, people are using religion, dogma as excuse for really hateful crimes against humanity when we're in the energy and motion of the age of Aquarius, which is about the humanitarian aspect. Mm. How And how people maybe are willing or unwilling to know about these things, particularly in the art world. Are people just putting their hand over their mouth and just going, well, this is a big yawn. I don't want to know about that. Or is this further resistance into self-inquiry? Do you feel um, in the art world or do you feel like there's, there is an interest where there has been a rise of a fad of spirituality in the art world, which I know I'm sure you're aware of with Hilma mm-hmm. Afflint and many other artists, um, let's say opening further portals and doors and opportunities for artists who are very, very spiritual and deep thinkers. Mm. Yeah, it's funny you say that, like opening portals, because I remember going to New York and then I just stumbled upon the Guggenheim and it was the last week of her show. And that for me was like, whoa, okay, something big. I, it's not random and I'm just entering this Guggenheim museum and I see her art. I just, got about I just got chills as you said that. <laughs> yeah, it was a big moment. And now that you see portal, because I know her, work in her legacy was said to not be shown until like 50 years or 100 years after her death or something and that was the moment it was supposed to be in a helix shaped building which was the guggenheim but she didn't know about it when she was alive and so like it felt now that you say portal i'm connecting the dots it's almost like she knew that this was to be the like the beginning of the shift Mm. it's crazy and that uh, humanity was not ready like she said it this way that humanity was not ready for her work and then this way, now that you're saying it this way, it just reminds me, perhaps that's true. Perhaps now that there's so much transformation, um, that's the way I perceive it. It's like the world is shaking and then you you can't hold on to the physical no more. Like you have to now like more and more what you're, you're going to be called to focus on is your values, your ethics, who you are as a person, your character. It's not important what you own and all the, the physical stuff. Because everything's going to crumble, all, the, all the, the things you're leaning on to protect yourself and to have a self sense, a, a false self, a sense of self is not available to you anymore. And it's as if like this was the beginning of it for artists to begin to be allowed to, to talk about spirituality and their art again, because it was not always taboo, you know. And uh, yeah, you're right. It, it is re- coming back to the surface and... Uh, and in this way, that's why the institution, which was the way I perceive it, very masculine, like the very intellectual, rational, it's more about the concept than the art. It's more about the, the ideas. And uh, I think, you know, the Egyptians, they call this new aeon, the aeon of Horus, which is the, the son daughter of uh, Isis and Osiris. And it's supposed to be a hermaphrodite being that is neither masculine or feminine, but both. And this is a symbol because 
the age of Horus is uh, the age of Aquarius and Horus is sexless. It's about balance. And so I, I see this coming. I see this as a, the destruction of the, the, not the, it's not the destruction of the patriarch. It's more the, it has to destroy for it to be rebalanced. Mm. So, but there is a, this rebalancing is, is going to be shown to us in the way we're ready to see it. Like if we've been resisting and we've been shoving it down for so long and we're resisting, it's going to be harder for those people. But uh, yeah, I, I, in this way, I think, I think people are starting to channel stuff about this new way on the new ideologies, new mythologies for that matter. And through their art, I'm not sure they are aware that this is going, this is going on too. But that's why I'm creating Rosumbra as like a, a place where people can be like, oh, there it is a thing, you know. It is not just like me separate and then you separate that have uh, are starting to download information through our art and through our mm -hmm. dreams and stuff. There is a collective um, change going on. So I think we're at the beginning of it. Like I think Hilma, that thing you pointed out, I think that might have been like a big statement for the art world of being spiritual art can be in big institutions and it has its place in the, in, in the 21st century. And uh, yeah, I see more opportunities of that, of that sort. And hopefully uh, like I, I cannot pronounce myself for the general, like if they are like suppressing it and trying to not deal with it. But I do believe from my dis personal discussions with curators, with different people that, they know, like they, they feel in within themselves. Therefore, if an artist comes with a thesis or like something that is more spiritual in nature, they will be like, they will start to understand because it is manipulation of the mind, basically, of through your emotions. And so like, maybe it's good to talk about that. Like, how can you counteract that? Well, take awareness of how your, your, uh, how you react to life so your emotions and that's the first thing you want to do when you meditate is to start understanding how your thoughts are directly connected with your emotions because that's how marketing works they send you a thought they send you like an idea and you react emotionally oh i want it I, you have a desire for it and then unconsciously you're you're programmed to go towards that desire and it gets triggered the more they they publish it to their social media ad there the more you desire it and you're not even aware of it. But the thing is, AI, when this day and age, is more emotionally smart than we are in this sense. Emotions are predictable. Like you can know how trigger will create an emotion if you have a, an idea of the pattern. And AI is a pattern machine. It recognizes patterns. So therefore, if it's in their hands, the marketers, the people that run the world, own these machines they own the chat gpts well yeah. they are able to predict everything so how do you counteract that is to understand your own ai your own machine your own patterns mm -hmm. and i think that's important to to talk about but to come back to the mission i think it's to create the new mythology so every aeon has a pot a potential and the aeon of aquarius is a has a lot of potential to liberate and connect humanity like i'm not i'm, I'm i would not be surprised and in a few hundred years 
telepathy is a normal thing. We can communicate through our brain vibrations, through, uh, through just by understanding that our brain is receptive and is punch-like and can receive uh, signals, electric signals, which our brain wave emit. And um, so it has a lot of potential for expansion and union and finding Aquarius is also a rebellious kind of uh, individualistic, but for the greater good. So you are individualistic, you are your own self, but because uh, a lung cell is not supposed to be a brain cell, you know that you have to be your own cell. You have to, so that the whole ecosystem works properly. And but this has there is also a negative side to Aquarius, and it's uh, the the reversion of of uh, power. So you see that with the COVID, how like all the money has been transferred even more to a few people. Well, that's the downside. It's the polarities. If you see the eleventh house in in the, in astrology, it is the it is about masses of people. So it can be like uniting social gatherings, but it can also be like, uh, it's also the house of wealth and profit. And how, the, how do you make lots of wealth of profit? Well, someone has to make less wealth and profit. So it's like benefiting this for the, on, like off the, the people. Yeah. And so it, that's why. Yeah, it's interesting you know, in terms of number 11 being in numerology an expansion number in terms of like opening portals again portals has mm -hmm. come strong here um but interesting in in terms of um vedic astrology my son is aquarius and uh my moon is jayesh mm -hmm. so i'm doing both <laughs> here on this planet. but in terms of western astrology um my son is pisces and my moon is sagittarius which is again also playing out too um mm -hmm. It, 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 there are so many things in what you're saying and I feel like I could I could listen to you speak and and, and can continue to converse I feel like we're going to have to have you back for another episode because there's so mm -hmm. much to say and it'll also be interesting if you're open to come back as well to see between this space and time and the space and time that we could be conversing in how things have shifted collectively yeah in the world out there but also of course with your artwork I mean it's again really interesting what you're talking about in terms of Aquarius energy and 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 how Pluto and Aquarius is going to be stationing at the end of this year um for mm. the next 20 years so it will be very interesting interesting to see how AI again artificial intelligence mm. is also connected with Aquarius energy the world wide web internet yeah. and things like that um how there's possibly going to be an increase of you know AI art, I don't know, but I, I want to talk to you about your inspirations a little bit more. I mean, I know that you've already mentioned, you know, uh, Ayurveda, Vedic astrology, Kabbalah, uh, Buddhism as well. We've touched on that very, very briefly. Carl Jung, of course, as well. Psychology, um, yeah. Egypt, Egyptology, the beginning of, I always say, the human race um, and philosophy and spirituality obviously began in Africa. But yeah um just before we ask ask you before I ask you about your three inspirations you had a show at the crypt in London and I just want to mention mm. that I was born and raised just around the corner from that location by the way oh really it holds a lot of significance to me <laughs> um mm. but yeah let's let's ask you about who would be your three inspirational people if you can share that oh that's a big question 
<laughs> well, my number one right now, like I, I fell to this, uh, this rabbit hole, like of, uh, yeah, it's, it's an author that is uh, deceased, like it, but she has a legacy of many books and she studied for a long time, like 150 years ago with this monk who had downloads of information about this age of Aquarius. And it was all about uh, preparing people for this age and what it implies psychologically, spiritually, physically. And I just started to read the, her books and I'm just like, every page I'm like, it's, it's as if the author knows everything about everything. It's crazy. Like I'm mind blown. her name is Alice Bailey. Alice Bailey, did you say? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna look yeah. into that. I'm 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 a an avid reader, so that's another one. Yeah, on you should definitely look into her and and why I resonate so deeply because it's so aligned with my soul. My it's all aligned with Aquarius. It's about balance. It's about balancing intuition and intellect. Do you do it practical? It's uh, it's theoretical. It's both, and. Uh, there's a society around the world. There's a few like uh, it's become a sort of a, of schooling, but they they have their books, and they have the institution with their foundation to kind of promote uh, her work. And so, anyways, I'm not in part of that. I just started to read the books, and uh, yeah, it's so concrete. Uh, she understands the. Uh, as much the occult stuff, ritual stuff, as like meditation, the nadis, the energy bodies, and how it's all interconnected, gives good, like very logical warnings, how mm -hmm. to use your rational, how to use your emotions, everything. It's a very complete. So that's my number one. Like I'm, I'm at her third book right now. I'm just very. Uh, Manny P. Hall, like I told you earlier, like. Every time I have free time, I put on a, one of his talks. You can find them on on Spotify and, and uh, Apple Music. He has a hundred of his best talks from like the fifties. Very poor recording, but like his the way he speaks. If you have ever heard him speak, he's like mm -hmm. just like every second he speaks something that builds up the last, and he's and it feels he's not forcing. It just feels like he's flowing wisdom. So he's definitely been the one I've like been the most fascinated with and uh yeah i guess my my inspirations are not necessarily from the from the artistic world they're more like people that generate ideas and that generate wisdom manly pihal i really like him because he brings you to what's important it's values he brings you back to like what's lacking in the world is mm -hmm. knowing who you are and standing by who you are and not like uh, Travis, like you know, just ne neglecting some parts of you just for fame, just for this, for that. He brings you back to the center. And I have to have another inspiration. Um, well, honestly, like my third biggest inspiration right now is women in general. I would say it is a very, uh, it's a very unique time. I have a lot, like in my chart. I have uh, my my moon is in Cancer. I have Jupiter in there. I have Ketu. I have a lot of influence, uh, feminine influence in this way, and uh, like the compassionate, uh, natural nature of women for me is like what inspires me the most these days. Well, for many years now, and uh, yeah, 
I I think that's something that uh, I want. I I try to promote in my art in different ways, but like it's a very deep inspiration, I guess. That's so beautiful. And during this conversation, I've noticed a triangle right behind you, uh, just above the door frame. I don't know if you've noticed oh. the window, and it's um, hi, pay listeners. It looks like the Py Pythagorean triangle, which you know we're talking okay. about Egypt and and how there's mm -hmm. a connection with Pythagoras. Uh, mathematics, mm -hmm. algebra, and then of course Egypt um, and Thoth um, being someone who came to allegedly planet Earth to share wisdom <laughs> to the world. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wonder, I wonder a, a lot about these things and uh, about space and time and how it's all circular, really. And maybe we did live in an, in an age where we were already speaking telepathically, and then we just forgot. Obviously, there are other, yeah. Definitely. there's definitely other conversations within that again it's another another podcast i feel uh episode but um what would you share to the high pay listeners like three tips or tricks to um someone who's getting into the spiritual arts uh, like you mean as an artist mm -hmm. well yeah so the first thing that's the most important one is uh, to uh, look within like it's i think it's important to look at your influences when you start especially like physical people physical artworks but then it, it should always point back inside so why am i attracted to this what in this is attractive to me and ask the questions because mm -hmm. uh, there might be a link between everything and you think it's the artwork is the colors but in the end it's something that resonates within your own psyche maybe when the artist created this artwork they were living a similar trauma that you're living and then you can feel this in the artwork and start paying attention to these uh, to these details they all talk to your inner world always all your all the physical is just there to reflect what's inside so that's number one um number two i guess if well if it's someone that's starting i would say explore um but also like a good a book that i really love is uh, it's called it's tashan that makes it it's the book of symbols mm. and it's from the carl jung's uh, legacy of archetypal the archetypal society in new york that made it yeah i and have so, that book. Yeah, an amazing book book of symbols high pay listeners go get okay. it it's incredible <laughs> yeah it's a beautiful book it's so well crafted and it's not that expensive for what you have i find yeah so start like what I like to teach and and uh, and share when I do retreats and stuff, you can start to do automatic uh, drawing and painting and and start with a, you can start with a basic understanding. Fire is red, water is blue, air is yellow, and then whatever earth can be like brownish. And you can start with a tint that you feel like you need more of in your life. Intuitive. You don't have to know all the details and start to do something abstract. And when you see a shape appear trace it out and and slowly layer 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 until you get like an object or something and then look what that object sim symbolizes but start and this could link with the third tip start always with an intention in everything you do so like uh, whether it's an artwork whether it's a the day you're just waking up uh, intention is everything so 
if you're not intentional, what happens is that the people's minds that are stronger than yours will take over your mind and will push you left and right. If your intention is like you're drawing the arrow and it, there's so much tension with your uh, tension in your intention, there's this word that's repeated, you, you'll have one way you can go and straight. And anything that comes out, there might be a bit of wind, the arrow will move a little bit, but you'll still be close to where you're aiming. If you're aiming nowhere, you'll just be influenced by the market, art market, by the artists that you feel are best, better than you. Yeah. So intention is, is really key. Like, and then the intention, well, you want to develop it by understanding who you are and go see an astrologer, ask, start, start to delve into the, the, your mind. If you're, you're far from like, you feel disconnected from yourself, they can give you some quick, like insights into who you are. Yeah. So these are four or five tips. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I've made notes of high pay listeners already know I make notes here on, uh, this these episodes and i've made a note about that as well it's good to get that reminder even for someone like myself <laughs> um yeah easy to forget it is easy for, to forget especially when we're absorbing more and more information um that we're inspired mm. by um we're researching and um last but not least to conclude this beautiful episode with you i just want to say um thank you so much for sharing your wisdom as well and your time and your knowledge and your experience, I, I think I could, again, go deeper into it. Um, mm. But what, what would be your lasting words of wisdom, do you feel, for the high pay listeners? Just, it can be anything, anything that you feel is important to share. Well, I think what's important to share is what affects the most people right now. And it's, uh, is transformation the world is in transformation therefore everything that that is your comfort right now like if your home is your comfort if you know everything the banking system is changing everything will be disruptive and if you're used if you're a long-term comfort holder you know mm -hmm. uh, there can be a lot of pain that comes with this like a lot of transformation brings pain so i think the wisdom that i would like to share is just to uh, to under to predict it to know it's coming and so that you don't resist it and prepare yourself just to be more malleable like aquarius is air it moves quickly prepare yourself if you feel like you need something to ground yourself figure out something within you that you can ground yourself with may it be like a, a, a spiritual practice uh, just to recenter yourself in your real home which is your heart because i feel like even with the news, like everything is, is there to, to make you feel insecure and feel like everything can be like ended in, in one second. And it's very stressful for people. It's very, yeah. And so acknowledge this, don't dismiss it. Don't avoid seeing it because it's too painful. Acknowledge it and work with it. Don't, uh, don't resist it because the resistance brings pain. So, yeah. I guess that's what I would share. Lovely. Well, Alex, it's been a joy. Thank you so much for this episode and for coming along. And um, I appreciate you. I see you. I see what you're doing. And uh, we'd love to have you back whenever you're ready. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's really a pleasure to uh, to exchange with you on these topics, especially coming from uh, someone like you that can 
understand them and so like the energy is not just bouncing back it's actually like coming back and forth so yeah i'm looking forward to uh, more conversation like this for sure and thanks for having me and that's it for now high pay listeners get turned on and tune in every thursday see you next thursday with another inspirational guest ciao for now